You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we'll go around the league with Super Bowl champion Larry Centers. Plus, the Patriots make a splash buying two planes for team travel. And Brian will get going on the podcast today as former NFL guard and Super Bowl champion Willie Colon joins us. Willie, always a pleasure. I need to start with a media question. What's the bigger thrill for you, filling in for Mike and Mike on ESPN Radio or working with me, filling in for Cordell on the NFL on TuneIn? Uh, you guys are the genesis of Willie Colon, so I always have a pleasure uh, anytime I jump on with you guys, man. I hope all is well with you brothers. Wow, Genesis is a big word Wednesday as well. You must be working for ESPN. Yeah, he's working with Mike and Mike. That's what happens. You come up with real big words. Big, big yeah. words. Willie, you, you've you had the opportunity to be a part of uh, the Steelers organization, the Jets organization. The Steelers are going in the right direction. Um, that's who they are. Um, it's run by a family that's all football. Uh, but the Jets, they're struggling. Um, tell me when you see a, a player like Christian Hackenberg, who was drafted in the second round last year, not get any reps in the preseason last season, nor got an opportunity to get on the, rec- on this, on the field in the regular season. But right now he's been bumped down to the third uh, position as a quarterback on this team. What does that say about the Jets? And most importantly, what do you think about Christian Hackenberg as a quarterback for the Jets? You know, when he got drafted, nobody was happy. I mean, you don't draft a quarterback that high who wasn't, you know, on a lot of scouts' radar, wasn't supposed to even be there. So it, they took a risk and they took a shot. And he's he's going through his rookie woes, and especially when you realize that the Jets haven't had a franchise quarterback since, I don't know, you want to say Testa Verde. So people are, are upset because, listen, you're paying all these – you're paying for tickets, you're paying for the food, you're paying for the parking, you, you want to see a good product on the field – and the fans aren't getting it here in New York, especially if you're a Jets fan. So people are frustrated, but I've seen him throw a couple times. Cordell, you've been around in those training camps. He looks like a rookie, bottom line. I mean, there's no there's no way of coding it. Um, he'll give you three good balls, and, and then you won't see him for the next the next three. I mean, he's just he's, in, he's inconsistent, and he is where he exactly needs to be. The problem is the Jets have such a sense of urgency in that position that, you know, they – they're kind of just stuck with the McCown and Petty situation until Hackenberg gets his stuff together. Taking you around the league with Willie Cologne. Willie, let's stick inside the AFC East. Jay Cutler joking he doesn't have to be in great shape because he's a quarterback. How smooth do you think the transition is going to be for Cutler, considering that, in fairness, he did play well for Adam Gase in Chicago a couple of years ago, and now they're reunited in Miami? Well, all reports yesterday, uh, when he got on the field, he lit it up. Uh, he, he looked great, his arm as uh, one of the best in the league. You know, listen, what you saw at the press conference, that's Jay Cutler. He's he's a guy who, you know, from a body language standpoint, is it what you want? Um, he's not going to give you, you know, he's not going to give you that kind of Tom Brady, that Ben Roethlisberger charm. That's not who he is. Um, but he's a serviceable quarterback, and he gives, uh, he's going to give the Miami Dolphins a chance to win. Now, will he be successful? I mean, that's a team, that's a team decision. They all guys have to rally, and he's going to have to step his game up. But from what I, I've also heard, rumors of possible getting Calvin Johnson uh, out of retirement, so that can help. So uh, we'll see. I mean, but overall, they went with Jay Cutler because of the Gates relationship, and uh, you know it makes sense to, to a certain degree. Willie, let's go with one of the more controversial conversations that's been going on around the National Football League that 
that that involves Jay Cutler, but most importantly, um, importantly involves Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you saw my social media because I saw you respond. You was like, whoa. And you hit him with what? a laugh out loud because of all the backlash of, of just basically saying now that he's gone from kneeling to saying he wants to stand for the national anthem, that now changed the narrative to an extent, not saying that he's changing his place and his position, but to many in the National Football League, somewhat changed his narrative just a little bit. Give me your take on how they can give Jay Cutler $10 million bucks for one year, knowing he was with Adam Gaze, but he was prepared what? to go in the booth. But Colin Kaepernick... Coming off of a season last year, in a short time he had a chance to play, going 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, and he not getting an opportunity to be a quarterback in the game. Give me your take on, is he going to play, uh, and why isn't he uh, actually on someone's roster right now? I mean, Cordell, let's be honest. Uh, at this point, it's ridiculous that he doesn't have a job. You don't bring him into Seattle, uh, let him leave that building, and then hire Austin Davis, who hasn't played in two years. Uh, you, you don't – there's a hundred – Herm Edwards said it best. There's a hundred quarterbacks in the league playing right now, and he's not one of them. There's a lot of bad quarterbacks with jobs. At this point, whether you respect your stance or not, um, if you just put that aside and you just strictly stand up for football and you're being logical about football, this man should be in the helmet. And you can't tell me if he didn't take the stance that he wouldn't have a job by now. He probably would have been picked up in April and it would have been done. The fact that he did take the stance and that he has stepped up and, and spoken about and what I what played my computer uh, community, I know it played your community growing up, I mean, it's 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 wrong, and I, I don't know how you can anybody can sugarcoat it any more than that. Um, I'm 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 at this point, you know, we've kind of peeled the onion on this thing. We've heard a million excuses. Well, you know, he shouldn't have used the platform. Well, you know, I watch the Oscars and I watch a lot of war shows. Actors use their use that platform to talk about social issues. Well, he's not good a good enough quarterback. I know he's he, I know he's better than Matt Barkley. I know he's better than Austin Davis, and I know he's better than uh, whoever else that's backing up. So. There's we keep throwing we keep throwing excuses out there. Now we're getting to the core of it, and I've and I've said this time after time, we cannot. I, I challenge everybody that wants to talk about Kaepernick, close their eyes and open their ears and open their hearts, and you'll get a better response. And you may have an understanding of what he came from. Not everybody's going to understand the issue. Not everybody comes from the same community that I came from. I'm from the South Bronx, New York. Um, I know you're from down south, Cordell. You've seen yeah. it. You've been around it. So have I. Uh, to me. There's nothing to talk about rather than just getting them in cleats. And you cannot make this – you cannot live on the brand of being a league of second chances, but yet don't give Calvin Kaepernick a job. And I refuse to ever uh, talk about him in the format of him making a mistake. He never made a mistake. Uh, and I don't believe in the, the word second chance because he never, he never committed a crime. There's other guys. And, Cordell, you play with guys. Let's be honest. You play guys with criminal records or who, who yeah. aren't good people, but – because it's in the, it's in the dark, so to speak. They go to, they go around day to day, and it's okay. So, I, I think it's at this point, this will forever haunt the NFL. This is not going away. It won't go away. Um, and I, even if Kaepernick does get in a get in a uniform and his feet are his feet are in cleats, this will forever be talked about about the way they handle the situation. So, uh, I'm from the school, Cordell. You said in training room meetings and. There's always a video that comes out that talks about, hey, protecting the shield, uh, protect the brand, protect the name on your jersey. Well, where's the shield for Colin Kaepernick right now? It, it, nobody's talking up. And, it, and, it, and it's sad because it's really on the players. It's for the players to speak up about what's going on. And so I'm, I'm proud of Richard, I mean, Richard Sherman. I'm proud of Doug Baldwin. I'm proud of Malcolm Jenkins for kind of pushing this thing and saying enough is enough. It's, it, it's total BS. This man deserves a job.
Well said, and you're echoing many of the sentiments we've articulated on this show. Super Bowl champion Willie Colon is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's take you to Pittsburgh. You and Cordell know the Steeler organization. So other than expressing his frustration over the franchise tag, Willie, do you think Le'Veon Bell is going to achieve anything by continuing to stay away from the Steelers' camp? No, that's just not the Steeler way, man. I mean, Cordell could talk about it probably just as well as I can. It's they. They're, you're never going to move their pockets. You're never going to force their hand. That's just not how they operate. I mean, they let go of San Antonio Holmes after you brought him home in the Super Bowl and he got MVP. Uh, and Valley was from, you know, some for disciplinary reasons. But overall, you know, they're, they kind of have a knack for letting guys go uh, and and making hay with what they got. And then somehow those guys become superstars. So uh, Le'Veon Bell, he's a special talent. Uh, what he's able to do in a slot uh, what he's able to do behind, you know, the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's a unique talent because his rhythm and his cadence with that offensive line go hand in hand. Um, will he get paid? I mean, he's due to make 12 mil uh, after that. I don't know. So I, I wouldn't be surprised the Steelers just say, hey, you can do what you want, but you know how this works. You know, you can sit out, but you will be fine. And I think the fine, I'm not sure you can help me out with this, Brian. I think it's 40000 uh if he doesn't report on time right. or get to the, get to the uh, beginning of the season. So, uh, you know, Le'Veon can hold out all he's want, but he has to be ready for the for the circumstances, so to speak. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. But the, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, listen, they have enough to make it. Uh, but there's going to be a time, especially when this when it starts getting cold and teams are starting fighting for position, they're going to need that their top gun on the field. And so what happens? Uh, it's going to be something to watch out for. Is this why the New England Patriots is such a great organization when it comes to? getting those issues resolved, uh, it be done somewhat their way, but when it comes down to being done their way, you know the end result will be one or two things. You're going to make it to a championship of some sort, whether it's AFC or in it or AFC championship or the Super Bowl. Is this why this sure. organization don't have all the, and I don't want to call it riff because you don't want to disrespect the guys for taking advantage of, of a side of the, uh, of this game that we all don't like, which is the business side. But is this right. why this organization is so special to the point where guys are taken care of, but most importantly in the end, it's all about winning championships. Cause that's really what we've talked about since kids. Yeah. I think what makes the, Patriots special um, is the fact that they they have a mold uh, very much like the Steelers and the Giants and, and and the Seahawks. They know who their guy is. They know what they're looking at. They don't have to they don't have to go around looking for a Patriot. They know what it looks like as soon as they lay eyes on them. So that's a remedy, uh, a recipe for a championship outfit. Belichick does not waste time. He doesn't deal with egos. And listen, he's the general, and everything goes according to what he says. And they have a great security blanket in Tom, Bla- um, Tom Brady because Tom is the best in the league. So they they don't worry about having superstars. They just worry about having football players, and that's different from other organizations. Some teams need superstars to sell tickets or to have an impact player. They have one impact player, and that's Tom Brady, and that's all they need. So that's a luxury for them. But the Patriots and Belichick, I mean, as long as they're together, they're, they're always going to have a, a shot. Willie, always a pleasure. We appreciate the insights. Thrilled to hear you on ESPN Radio. The next time I see you filling in for Mike and Mike, I want to hear you say the word Genesis on national TV, all right? That's a big one, baby. (laughs) I got you guys. I'm glad you guys are doing well. Thank you, Willie, because that's my act, my man. I do the big (laughs) words, and what do they get me? Working with Cordell five days That's a week. That's all he needs. Hey, I mean, after going to Stanford and USC, man, he gets to work out with me. How How about about that, Willie? Keep, Keep it going, Willie. We'll chat with you soon.
Appreciate it. All right, Cordell. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's go round the league with Super Bowl champion Larry Centers. Larry, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with one of your old teams, Arizona. A couple of years ago, the Cardinals made it to the NFC title game. Last year, they only won seven games in part because Carson Palmer took a step back. Where do you think Carson is at this stage of his career? Now he's 37. Man, it's hard to tell. I think, you know, right now, it's now or never for Carson. You know, he's had some years, some good years and some bad years. And uh, probably most notably, um, a couple of years ago when he almost made it to the Super Bowl and they got hurt, I uh, definitely think they had a chance that year. I think he's ready, poised to come back and understands that it is now or never. Larry, when you look at this team, you know, many teams around the National Football League in particular has – a window that sometimes is about as small as a pin dot and others they're lucky and fortunate like the Steelers, the New England Patriots, where that window is kind of a little bit bigger than most because of how they go about their business. How big is this window for Arizona uh, to be able to go out and, and, and produce whether it be a Super Bowl or, you know, a win or even just getting back to the NFC championship game? Is it now or is it never? Slash, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I think it's a pin drop for the Cardinals. You know, you look at Carson Palmer getting up in age. Um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, coming back for another year. He doesn't have just a whole lot of Larry Fitzgerald-type years left, in my opinion. But, um, you know, the Cardinals have to have to seize the moment. Um, they have the pieces in place. I think they, the head coach has done an outstanding job of putting together a staff that, that has completely – overhauled the culture in the locker room with the Cardinals and gave them a belief system that they can win any game that they're in. I think the time is now. Larry, do you think the Cardinals would be willing to change the focus of the offense? You know what David Johnson did a year ago. He was magnificent. Do you think they might emphasize the run more this year? I'd like to see him do that. I think that would take a tremendous amount of pressure off of Carson Palmer. Um, you know, as we mentioned, he is getting older. Don't want to beat that dead horse, but I think that um, David Johnson is going to be an integral part of that that system for, for a couple of years to come. I think they'll they'll shoot the ball out to him in the screen passes a lot more. Probably take some pounding off of him, and uh, that offensive line has been playing great as of late. And I think that um, as of last year, so I think they'll have a great chance of uh, being successful by utilizing David Johnson. And speaking of using David Johnson, last year you, you saw. 
I think a game that really showed how good he is uh, after Carson Palmer ended up getting injured is Bruce Arians a, a coach that really relies on the run uh, to the point where they can utilize his talents a little bit more and maybe, as you mentioned, uh, take a little pressure off Carson Palmer? Because, again, Carson Palmer, he's he's becoming very fragile in his older years. And, and I think right now with this this team being one that has a lot of great pieces, they have to rely on David Johnson and his offensive line. Do you think he's going to bend and, and maybe compromise and say, you know what, for the, for the sake of this offense being efficient, let's just run the football a little bit more than normal? Yeah, well, make no, make no mistake about it. Um, Coach Ed is one of the best in the game right now. Uh, he'll adjust according to what he thinks puts his team in the best position to be successful. I have no doubt about that. He's a gunslinger as an offensive play caller. I think he'll uh, he'll he'll continue to take shots down the field. But I think again, David Johnson being such a phenomenal player and so consistent, I think he'll he'll be Arians will be forced to put David Johnson in the in the offense heavily. Um, the big question is how healthy can he stay with the increased workload. Larry Centers is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Larry, you wrapped up your career in New England. We know nobody on the roster for the Patriots can talk about this, but you're a former player. They won 14 games last year. Put together the greatest rally we've seen in the history of the Super Bowl. Bowl moves in the offseason. Do you think they could actually go undefeated this year? I would put that type of pressure on their organization. I don't think they'll go out with the intention of necessarily – um, putting that type of pressure on themselves to go undefeated. I think they'll go out and they'll do it just like Bill Belichick does it every year. He'll take it one game at a time, and they'll have a one-game roster for like 16 weeks of the season. Larry, when I you mean, when excuse you... me, one game, a one-game schedule. I'm sorry. Oh, one game. Yeah, well, that that's how you say one. You know, it's like do your job, and it's literally one meeting at a time, right? It's like he don't he don't let you get too far around the corner at all. He keeps you right there in front of him and right there in front of the moments. But in the game today, uh, running backs market uh, when it comes to their value. Uh, it's not as lucrative in a sense, uh, in, in a, a, a true dire need like it once was. Uh, give me your take on how you see it. Because back when you were playing, Marshall Falk was playing, Edron James. I mean, there was a marketplace for, for backs that especially can catch the ball out of the backfield. But nowadays, it's almost like they're trying to set the market to where it better suits the owners in a sense of how they divvy out the money as opposed to uh, the Devontae Freemans, who we know uh, is positioned to have his money to a uh, Shady McCoy. And, and how about that guy, Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh? How do you how do you see the, the playing field when it comes to guys actually getting true value, the true value of how well they play now, nowadays? Well, well it's, it's difficult as a running back to – to be successful if you can't gain a rhythm in a game. And now the game has evolved so much into a passing game. I think that kind of takes that rhythm piece out of it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. There has been a diminished value for the running back position over recent years. You've seen that uh, in, on several different rosters, seven different teams. But I think that the, the running back position and the running game will always have a prominent place in the game due to the fact that you can control the clock so much better, so much easier, and you can keep the defense off balance. So, you know, nowadays I see a, ten, a, a trend moving in the direction of running backs by committee, and um, I think that's something that will continue over the next few years. 
Going around the league with Larry Centers. He's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Larry, you played in our nation's capital. What's your view of Kirk Cousins making huge money again with a franchise tender? Do you think he's a frontline starter? Um, I do. I don't think he's a very super talented guy. I do think he's a leader, and I think he plays with the tenacity of a linebacker. And you want that as a at the quarterback position. He makes solid decisions, and he doesn't do a lot of things to hurt his football team. Um, in my mind, he's definitely worth the money. I'm a Kirk Cousins fan. But, um, you know, as we all know, one position doesn't make a successful football team. So, you know, quarterback position being a very integral part, but you have to have the pieces around you. And, you know, it's a, it's a matter of whether Bruce, Bruce Allen and, and that crew is going to, uh, you know, do the things to put the right 22 people on the field, starters on the field. Larry, as always, we appreciate the insights. Thanks so much for joining us on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hunt down the man in black with the gunslinger. The first story in Stephen King's iconic fantasy adventure, The Dark Tower, playing now on TuneIn. An epic tale that spans across the dark Mohane Desert. Follow the story of Roland DeShane, the last gunslinger of the Midworld, on a spellbinding journey into good and evil. The gunslinger had followed the man in black across the desert for two months now. With your premium subscription, listen to The Dark Tower 1, The Gunslinger, Stephen King's number one national bestseller, today on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on Gang Green with Dan Leverfeld from JetsConfidential.com. Dan, thanks for taking the time. Do you think the safest plan would be to let Josh McCown start week one? And if this team is as bad as many pundits predict, make a change if they open the year, something like 0-5. I think that would be the best plan, and I get a sense that's the plan that's going to unfold here. You know, if you look at history, uh, sometimes history repeats itself. Last year, they pretty much had the plan to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick until falling out of wild card contention, and then they went to Bryce Petty. So I think they could do the same this year. I don't think it would be a good idea to start Hackenberg at week one because, first of all, he's still in- too inconsistent. Secondly, it's a new offense for him, second offense in two years. I think he needs a little more time to get comfortable. I wouldn't throw him out there in week one. When you have a team that, that has quarterbacks on the roster, you, you go through the process of getting a second-round player, thinking that he may have a chance to be the future, but yet you know the team is steadily falling apart, whether it's Darrell Rivas, uh, to Eric Decker, to Brandon Marshall. Pieces are steadily, steadily leaving this team, let alone the pieces you do have aren't the ones you need to actually move forward. How much of a hot seat is Ty Bowl sitting in? Well, I think the hot seat is a situation you look at this way. They don't have to go to the playoffs. They don't have to have a great record necessarily. But they can't get blown out six times like they did last year. And there's no excuse to get blown out six times in a league set up for competitive balance. So I think if they play smart football, if they play competitive football, if they play hard, and they hang around in games, and even if they go 6-10 and 10, but they're competitive – and they improve as the season goes along, I think Todd will be safe. But if it's blowout city like last year, I think he's in a lot of trouble. Dan Leberfeld, JetsConfidential.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Dan, we know the Jets don't have a legitimate number one receiver, but how is the depth chart coming together now that Quincy Anunwa has been lost for the year? Well, I, you know, it's a shame what happened to Quincy Anunwa, but I never viewed him as a number one receiver. You could call him a number one receiver by default. 
But to me, he's best as a number three receiver, the way he was used his first couple of years in the league. Uh, just because people leave doesn't make someone something they're not. So uh, it's a bad loss for the Jets, but I don't think the narrative stating that they lost their number one receiver is necessarily on target because I don't think he was a number one receiver. Robbie Anderson, second-year player at a Temple, uh, is having a very good camp. He, he reminds me a little bit of Webster Slaughter. I'm not saying he's anywhere near that level, but he's a very slippery receiver. I'm sure Cordell you know, remembers Webster well. Just He gets in and out of his break so quickly. He runs 4-3-4. He's got good hands. The concern with him is he's a little slender, so will he be able to hold up physically? Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, if he could stay healthy, is Marquez Wilson, the former Chicago Bear, having a good camp. The Bears really liked him. The problem was he broke his left foot three times. If he can finally stay healthy, he can certainly help the Jets. And a guy who's been shining all summer, but they won't have in week one, is their slot receiver, Jalen Marshall, out of Ohio State. Having a great summer, the problem is he suspended the first four games of the regular season for uh, failing a test related to Adderall. So those are some guys to look at. But I have to throw this out there when you talk about the Jets' receiving core. To me, the number one target in their passing game is going to be the tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Having a great camp, lost 33 pounds. Uh, No one on their defense is able to cover him. Unfortunately, once again, for the Jets, suspended the first two games of the regular season. But to me, when he comes back, Austin Safarian Jenkins, he could end up being – the number one target, the focal point of their passing attack. That's how good he's looked in camp. Speaking of keeping your eye on someone, let's talk about the rookie uh, safety, Jamal Adams. He talks about talking about a spring, a sprain ankle, uh, not talking, not knowing for sure if it's a high or a low. Uh, how cause, how scared? Let's just say all the trainers there with the Jets when it comes to his ankle injury. Well, Cordell, based on where it's taped, I think it's low, and he's already back out there on a limited basis, so. We all know if it was a high ankle sprain, he wouldn't be back in less than a week. So I think it was a low ankle sprain, and he shouldn't. he's limited now, but he should be ready to go for the start of the season. But I'll tell you one thing about those rookie safeties. They picked Adams in the first round. The second-round pick is one of the stars of the camp so far, Marcus May out of Florida, getting his hands on a lot of football. So if the Jets hit on those first two guys and have their safety tandem for the next five or six years, that will help a defense a lot especially defense that blew so many coverages in the last couple of years. Dan, overall, how solid do you think this D could be? We know about all the big names that are gone, but you still have Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and the rookie safeties you alluded to. Well, this defense to me has a lot of question marks. I think the defensive line is going to be outstanding with Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and Leonard Williams uh, leading things up there, three first-round picks, three uh, amazing athletes for 300-pounders. So I think they'll be good up front. Linebacking core, a lot of questions. Uh, Darren Lee needs to step up and cover. The first-round pick from Ohio State last year, picked because he runs 4-5, it was supposed to help him coverage, had three passes defense last year in 13 games. That's not enough. This summer, not getting his hands on a lot of football, so he needs to step up. But a big concern, if I were the Jets, is their edge pass rush. We all know in the 3-4 defense, you need those sack daddies at outside linebacker, and they just don't have one. And their D-line is going to do what they do. They're good players. But we all know in a 3-4 defense, if you want to play it on the highest level, you need to get that edge rush uh, really dominating a game. And right now, when you look at them on paper or on the field, there's no edge rusher that really scares anybody. When you talk about window of opportunities, uh, you, you talk about pretty much seizing the moment. I would say maybe two years ago, 
when the Jets was playing really good football and came down to the Buffalo game, you could say Ryan Fitzpatrick up until that point uh, ended up having his worst game of the season. Uh, last year was just a disaster. But Matt Forte leads Chicago uh, to have a chance to come to the Jets. How do you see him responding to how the team is just steadily falling apart year by year? And he is the one that's sitting there trying to figure out what is my future going to look like with running between the tackles? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I don't think this is the way he wanted to end his career with this kind of program that's rebuilding. And you can make a strong argument the only reason he's still here is because he was owed a lot of money in the second year of his contract. So there could have been a salary cap angle to why he's still on the team when you look at all the veterans they've heard this offseason. But he's very excited because the Jets' new offensive coordinator, John Morton, who came from New Orleans where he was the wide receivers coach, is playing, is installing a West Coast offense. And as you guys know, they throw the backs a lot. So Matt Forte, who didn't get thrown the ball a lot last year in Chan Gailey's offense, but, you know, Chan does throw the backs, Cordell, as you know. He played for him. He was throwing to Bilal yep, Powell yep. more. But, but, yep. but the thing is, Bilal Powell and Matt Forte are both going to be very involved in the passing game. And Matt Forte holds the NFL record from three years ago for most receptions by a running back in a season. So he's excited. So Powell and Forte are going to be very involved in the passing attack. So when people look at the Jets receivers who are a question mark right now, you got to look at the receiving game in terms of totality. They're going to throw to Austin Safari and Jenkins a ton. They have a rookie tight end, Jordan Leggett, out of Clemson they like a lot. They're going to throw the backs a lot. And I think Robbie Anderson is, is a guy that looks pretty good. I'm not saying it's the best situation in terms of passing games, but they're going to spread the ball around a lot to a lot of different positions. Dan, last one for me. You don't have a website called JetsConfidential.com unless you care about the team. But with a degree of objectivity, when you look at the schedule – Realistically, how many wins is this team going to tally? Well, I know that in Las Vegas, because I just did a radio show in Las Vegas, they mentioned it was four games, the over-under. And I give this answer to them, and I'll give it to you. If Josh McCown is the quarterback most of the season, I would go over four. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying they're going 11-5, and five, but Josh McCown's looked good this summer. They need a game manager who can uh, distribute the football. They also need a leader. And he's been become that alpha dog in the locker room that they were missing last year. I'm not putting Josh McCown in Canton. All I'm saying is that if he's the quarterback most of this year, I think they go over four wins. So that could be six. That could be seven. But I think if they go to one of the young guys, if, if they go to Petty or Hackenberg early, then to me I think they're, they're going to be a, a team that's fine for the first pick in the draft. I don't think anyone, either one of those guys is ready to lead this team far. But I think with McCown – they could pick some people off here and there. So you're saying there's a chance. Dan, as we say goodbye, can you settle a long-standing debate on this program? We know Joe <laughs> Willie Namath is the greatest quarterback in Jet history. Who's number two? Well, I'd have to go off the top of my head with Chad Pennington. Thank you. That has been my yeah. argument. We've had Browning-Nagel conversation. I'm kidding, but you know the point we're making here. The <laughs> well, Jets Ken have been looking for a quarterback for a long that. time. Ken O'Brien was underrated. I mean, he he wasn't the best, but he wasn't bad either. He did some. He went to the playoffs uh, in the mid '80s a couple times with Ken O'Brien. But I would go with Chad Pennington. I'm with you, except you remember he had the brawl at Studio 54, and never never viewed him the same way when I was a kid growing up a Jet fan. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate the insights.
Okay, guys, anytime. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. At home or on demand, listen to every episode of your favorite podcast right here on TuneIn. TuneIn has the world of news and politics covered with popular podcasts like Can He Do That? by The Washington Post. That's right. This is Can He Do That? A podcast that explores the powers and limitations of the American presidency. And Pod Save America. Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. And TuneIn. And brings you to the center of investigative reporting with Reveal. Listen to your favorite podcasts or discover new ones today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Cordell, why did the Patriots buy two planes for team travel? Let's discuss as we take you out of bounds. On the gridiron, there are clear lines to follow. But from time to time, there's a story that takes us out of bounds. Crazy, deranged situation. It's No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell, think about the evolution of travel when it comes to pro sports. Years ago, teams flew commercial. Imagine that. You get on the plane, you go, hey, there's Deacon Jones. What's up, Deacon? You could talk to him for five hours as they were flying from LA to New York. Then it became charters, and now the Patriots have taken it next level, purchasing a pair of Boeing 767s. Purchase price for a new plane, $200 million. Used, you can get it for $65 million. Wow. I mean, that's all you really can say. Um, this happens only with maybe basketball teams, a few. Uh, I think the Dallas Mavericks have one for sure. I've seen that. Um when it comes down to football teams because of the numbers. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, we have them chartered through actual, uh, through the airline companies, uh, like Delta, US Air, American, but I've never seen it done to the point where it's an owner uh, that grabs a plane and, and you, you know it can be done, but two? Like, how does that work? Who, who are you, who's going to the game? Is it the players and the fans or is the players and... Mr. Kraft and his family. Keep going. I mean, team that, officials, support team staff. Officials. A lot of people are part of a traveling party. You've yeah, done that. Yeah, but, but that's done with the league, not so much with the organization. It's more about getting the media that's a part of the organization to the game and also the players and a few other people along with the coaches. But two planes? Who's all going on those planes? That's the question. But I tell you what. When you got, when you when you have your when you have money, you can put your face on your own money. That's when you can buy your own plane. And Mr. Kraft, he has all of that and then some to be able. Not saying he couldn't do it, but it's not the norm to see a National Football League team uh, with their own plane. But you know, this is this is to me a, a, a phenomenal story. You know how much I love planes, um, but to see this team have their own, I think they're going to set the trend to the point where it's like, how do you match this? I mean, you look at the tail wing on this airplane, they have all five of their Vince Lombardis plastered on this plane uh, to the point where they're letting you know, regardless if you have a plane, we have something special on ours. We have five. Now, the Steelers can put all six. <laughs> you know, Is the that going to be a new thing? Co- we um, have wars about well, logos and planes? Well, you know how it goes. I mean, it, it's competition when it comes to the stadiums. Think about it. You know, it started off, Carolina had one of the beautiful stadiums. Tampa Bay ended up getting one. The Steelers ended up getting rid of Three Rivers to create Hines. And then all of a sudden, Foxborough's old stadium there with New England, all of a sudden now they have the Gillette Stadium. 
Um, the New Orleans Saints, of course, obviously through Katrina, forced forced the renovation uh, of their Superdome. Now the Atlanta Falcons left the Georgia Dome to now all of a sudden having the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I mean, look at what's taking place now with the Chargers, obviously leaving one place to go to another. Oakland going to another place eventually. The L.A. Rams, both obviously Chargers and Rams, are sharing the, the same um, uh, uh, the same actual furniture and building when it comes to their new facilities in Inglewood. And so there's competition across the board. Don't get it twisted. I mean, Arizona, they have their own spaceship out there in the middle of nowhere. So when you break it down and, and talk about competition, they're setting a trend when it comes to how you travel. I don't see the Steelers doing this anytime soon. This is not what they do. But the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, huh, wait till the boys with the stars actually get their plane. Let's see how that thing works out. Jerry has been topped by Mr. Kraft when it comes to how his team travels. He already did it with their st- with their new dome, with their new stadium. What is the AT&T Stadium? Is that what they call it? Correct. Because that, that, that's the sponsorship for sure. Um, but the next person up, either it's going to be Daniel Snyder, which they're not winning enough, I think, to allow him to want to, want to, keyword, want to do it. But Dallas Cowboys, that's who I'm looking to see who, how they do their next plane, next, uh, do their plane, the Dallas Cowboys. You tell me, whose plane will look better? And which team will really be considered as America's team? The New England Patriots with their 767? Or will it be the Dallas Cowboys with their, what's bigger, 47? Is a 747 bigger than a 67? I don't know. But let's see what happens. I'm looking to see what Jerry what Jerry Jones is actually going to do. But that's a beautiful plane uh, that Mr. Kraft has put together for his team. And I think the thing that sticks out most is those five Vince Lombardis on the, on the tail wing of this airplane. And where were they put number six? Blitz for six. Let's fly back to Brian Weber on the other end of this uh, Skype. Thank you. you, Instead of just back to me, you're now flying back to me. Flying back to you. I mean, hey, that's what we're talking about. Aeronautical theme. I think a lot of it comes down to the ability to spend, right? Now, you have to have deep pockets to own an NFL franchise. Still, we know there are rich guys, and then there are very rich guys like Paul Allen in Seattle. He's got Microsoft money. How about staying cronky? Here in Southern California, privately financing a stadium that's going to cost $2.5 billion, but this feels like this could be part of a new trend. Let's wrap it up quickly, playing the schedule game. Yeah. Am I delusional? Because I keep Always. making this argument. Well, I'm delusional okay. in general. Coming okay. off a year in which they won 14 games last year, two losses were Jacoby Brissett, third-string quarterback, in for Garoppolo, who was in for Brady, injured thumb, they lost to the Bills. And we keep talking about that Sunday night game between Seattle and New England. Gronk couldn't haul it in, corner of the end zone. Great coverage by Cam Chancellor. I know yeah. what happened in the Super Bowl. They were down yeah, do. 28-3, but they won the game. Yeah, I'm looking at this schedule, Cordell. Uh-huh. In addition to everything they did in the offseason, adding tremendous players like Brandon Cooks. Right. 16-0 and to me is plausible, especially depending on what you think Jay Cutler is going to mean to Miami because the Dolphins have matched up well against the Patriots in South Florida. Here are the games that stand out. Go ahead. Coming off a bye, they go to Denver. You talk about altitude. Here's something we've not talked enough about. They're going to stay in that part of the country because the following week they play on the Raiders field. The Raiders have the home game, but it's in Mexico City. More altitude. So they go from Denver to south of the border. Those are two tricky propositions. And to me, it all comes down to week 15. I think they still could be undefeated 
when they head to Pittsburgh to take on your beloved Steelers. So you think New England doesn't go back home for two weeks? They're going to stay. I would venture a guess. This has happened before. Because you're real good. Tell me about your sources. Go ahead. Not sources. This is an educated view. You're not flying from New England to Denver, Denver to New England, New England to Mexico City. If you're in Denver, you stay in that part of the country, then head to Mexico. Just my operating theory. Like the 49ers did years ago when they had back-to-back games on the East Coast, they stayed in the Sunshine State. Remember, Chip Kelly was working out last year in Florida. Other organizations have used this blueprint. But forget about my travel log. Do you think they'll be undefeated all the way until week 15 when they head to Pittsburgh? No. I don't think so. I don't think they want to. I don't. I, there's not a need. I mean, you have Houston on the roster. You have Carolina. You have Atlanta. Uh, you have Denver. Just depends on which team's going to show up. You have Oakland. I mean, that's, to me, five games where you have potential – playoff contenders. Houston, Carolina, Tampa, Atlanta. Oh, that's six. Denver, then Oakland. Then the Steelers. So they, they're they going to have to lose one or two of those games. Which two will there be? Which one it will be? I couldn't tell you. But when looking at this roster, don't even, don't even squeak by Kansas City. I mean, I know it's Kansas City com- coming into their, into their place. But this is a team that's not scared of New England. They play New England well when they have a chance to. Um, and, and so when looking at this, this defense is really good when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs with Eric Berry uh, and company um, that's actually playing on this side of, on that side of the ball, which at one time, one point in time last season, had a knack for creating turnovers and also scoring touchdowns. Um, so that's a, that's a seventh game. So I'm not. This is not going to be a cakewalk for. I would say for New England, and I and I, I would say honestly, at the end of the day, I'm not saying they would purposely lose a game, but that's not even close to what's on their mind. I understand. I'm talking about possibility. Yeah, and could that's it true. But I just don't see it happen. I mean, you know, we could talk about the could games, but I just don't see it happening. Not on this, not this schedule because Houston is playing for something. They, they know how that game went last year. And because of the inability of Brock Osweiler, uh, along with a few other things of giving up touchdowns or what have you, uh, I think cost them that game because they were down by what? One point? 14-13, right? And then Osweiler was a turnover machine. And then Carolina, uh, I think just with the physicality of football that they play, uh, I don't think they're going to be a pushover either. Both those games in New England. Both those yeah. games are home games. And then they have to travel Tampa. And in Tampa, I would love to see them up until that point, how they're playing. Uh, but I like Tampa Bay. They have to go on the road in October. Uh, it won't be as hot, but it'll be it'll be it'll be whether that's a little bit different than what you have uh, going on in in in, uh, in New England. Uh, maybe that time of year is kind of cool, kind of chilly. Uh, in Atlanta, even though Atlanta have to go on the road to play them in in, in New England. Atlanta's going to want to get their get back. I mean, they remember them being down by 25. They've never been up there. It's going to be tough for them to win. Uh, but then you have Denver and Oakland, and then they have to travel to both those places. And then you have the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they're trying to do something in that division. I don't know if Jay Cutler can handle the pressure. Yeah, take a look at Jay Cutler's all-time numbers against Bill Belichick's defenses. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, and so you say all the way up to week 15 playing yep. the Steelers. I give them a, a, a L or two. Leading up.
because I, I just still say that Kansas City game is not going to be a pushover game. They're going to have to play. Those right. games I mentioned, they're going to have to play. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.